0: Peace be upon you. So I'm gonna start with a joke. It's about uh, two economists, so you know it's gonna be good. (laughs) So two economists are walking past a car dealership and they see a fully restored 1967 Chevy Camaro for sale. And one of the economists says, wow, that is an amazing car, it's so nice, I really want that car. And the other economist looks at him and laughs and says, no you don't. So now that you're done regaining your composure from all that laughing, I'm gonna break down the joke. So what's going on here is the economist who says I want that car, He doesn't really want the car because if he really wanted the car, he would be willing to do the work, you know, uh, have the money, pay for it in order to obtain that car. Because he wasn't willing to part ways with his money or if he didn't have the money to work, to earn the money to buy that car, means he didn't really want it. He just said it by lip service saying he wants that car, but he doesn't want to do the work necessary to obtain that car. And this points to a shortcoming that we all have. We want things that we don't want to work for. Uh, We want it to just be handed to us simple, easy, quick. And a perfect example of this is uh, in Adam and Eve. So when Adam and Eve were in paradise, they had everything. And um, the only requirement they had was not to approach this one tree. And that's it. But the devil duped them. In chapter 7, verse 20, we read, The devil whispered to them in order to reveal their bodies which were invisible to them. He said, Your Lord did not forbid you from this tree except to prevent you from becoming angels and from attaining eternal existence um, and you see that the devil's tricking them in the sense of saying look you, i'm going to give you a shortcut a way to get something without having to work for it in this case you're going to become angels so you're going to get a promotion and you're going to attain eternal existence in 2120 uh, the devil says an unending kingship Meaning that, look, you want these things, but you don't want to uh, earn them. You don't want to work for them. I have this result. All you got to do is go against what God says, and here's your answer. And you see this time and time again is that people, they want the immediate results without the work. And a lot of religions, you can tell that they're a fabrication when they say they offer you this. They say, look, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to uh, believe in anything. The only thing you have to believe is that Jesus died for your sins and all your sins are forgiven. So it doesn't matter if you're righteous, if you uh, believe in God or anything. If you believe that one thing, you're set. And again, these are all shortcuts. Or someone says, look, don't go and pray to God. Pray to me and I will give you the answers. I will make it easy. I will atone for your sins. All these shows that human tendency of wanting to have what we don't want to work for. We don't want to earn. We want shortcuts. And, you know, marketers, advertisers, they all know this. You see this in this uh, this clickbait. It's constantly these uh, expressions like, you know, how to get rich quick, uh, how to uh, lose weight 20 pounds without any work, uh, how to eat anything you want and, you know, uh, lose weight or get smarter, blah, blah, blah. And all this, its uh, it's playing on this human tendency, again, of wanting what we don't want to work for. We want the quick solution. We want the easy way out. And there's a quote from uh, Penn Jillette. So Penn Jillette's a magician. He says, you know, all magicians, they do one trick. And the, the quote is, there's only one trick in magic. And that there, uh, and that is that we are willing to work harder than you think we will. And the reality is when you look at any trick, we always underestimate the amount of time, effort, work that most magicians put into pulling off that trick. And uh, for those who might be familiar, there's a uh, mentalist. His name is uh, Darren Brown. And uh, he's got videos on YouTube where he shows his tricks, but then he also explains how he does them. So he has this mind-reading one where he goes to a, a pub, he pulls an individual, and he says, OK, I want you to uh, think of a song. Hear it in your head. And you know, he's trying to uh, discover what this song is in this person's head. And as he's doing that, a uh, band shows up behind the guy secretly and starts playing the song. And it ends up being the song the guy was thinking in his head. And you think like, wow, this is amazing. He must be communicating with gins. But the reality is Darren Brown, he breaks down how he presented this trick, how he was able to pull it off. And what he did it was for the last 24 hours, he was having people, including himself, follow the guy around playing the song. So uh, as he's walking down the street, he had a street performer on a flute playing the tune. When he goes into a convenience store, he had uh, the the – person in the store whistling the song, and then he even disguised himself as a maintenance worker, goes inside the guy's office as he's working, and he's humming the song to him as he's working on you know the, uh, the, the uh, facility, and all this in order to implant this song in the guy's head, so when he goes and pulls him from the pub, it looks like a random individual, and he already planted that song in his head, and no one would suspect the level of time, effort, work he did into pulling off that trick. There's another guy, he's, uh wrote a, a blog post a little while ago on a Medium. Uh, his name is uh, Aaron uh, Blayard, And I believe he's a writer for Conan. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, he wrote this uh, uh, blog. It was called How to Lose Weight in Four Easy Steps. So this guy was a little overweight, and he lost a bunch of weight, and people were asking about it, so he wrote a blog about it. And he says, number one, no beer. You know, beer has a lot of calories. Uh, Don't drink beer. So that's his first recommendation. The second one is portion control. So, you know, uh, monitor how much you eat. When you go to a restaurant and they give you a big meal, immediately take half, put it into a to-go box, and don't eat it. And then he says, uh, step three is have your heart broken. So he goes into this rant about, you know, how he had his heart broken and he spent endless, endless days uh, at the gym, always being the last one, just creating puddles of sweat and, you know, crying himself to sleep. And this is what it took for him to get into shape, build confidence and, uh, uh, you know, get the physique he wants. And then step four is no fruit juice, just too much sugar in there. So what's funny is people want these quick, easy steps. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to spend all those hours, days at the gym, you know, creating puddles of sweat when their friends are out having fun or relaxing or, you know, watching Netflix. Uh, They want that easy way. Uh, The other week, there was a guy uh, uh, on YouTube and he was showing how he got into the uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather and uh, Conor McGregor fight for free. And it sounds like, wow, that sounds great. You know, I want to go to this fight and watch it for free. And um, he showed what he had to do in order to achieve this. So, you know, uh, days and days in advance, he went in and he got a uh, alias name, of someone who's part of uh, Fox, and that got him into the building. And once he got into the building, he... Uh, hid in the uh, bathroom for like eight hours, and he made a connection inside the building with some of the security and such and such and such. And eventually he's working his way in deeper and deeper into the uh, organization. So on the day of the fight, again, he's able to uh, kind of get in and he keeps working his way up uh, towards the uh, the front of the fight. And it's just hilarious to see like, wow, that's the level of work he had to do to achieve this. You know, when you hear the headline, you're like, oh, the guy uh, uh, gets into the uh, Mayweather or McGregor fight for free. You're thinking like, that's great. I want to do that. <laughs> You know, and obviously, as submitters, we wouldn't, because that's a form of theft. But in uh, in theory, it's like it seems like you know very plausible. But then you see the level of work and you know frustration the guy had to go through in um, uncomfortable situations. You realize like most people just aren't willing to do the work. And in 9:42, uh, it says the sedentary. That's the, the subtitle. And the verse reads: If there were a quick material gain and a short journey, they would have followed you. But the striving is just too much for them. They will swear by God, if we could, we would have mobilized with you. They thus hurt themselves, and God knows that they are liars. So again, most people, they want to be sedentary. In this example, you know, the messenger, he has to go to battle. He has to fight. He has to pick up, you know, swords and spears and go and fight. Uh, people who want to kill them. And these people, if there was just, if they could just get the spoils of the war, so the benefit of the war, without having to actually fight, they would do it. But the fighting is just too much for them. And uh, we see this time and time again. God tells us in the Quran, this is a characteristic of the human being, is that we're impatient. In 2137, it says, The human being is impatient by nature. I will inevitably show you my signs. Do not be in such a hurry. Um, And in uh, 1711, it says, The human being often prays for something that may hurt him, thinking that he is praying for something good. The human being is impatient. And this correlation to me is very profound, that the human being prays for something thinking that it's good, that's going to actually hurt them, uh, and that the human being is impatient. And there was a movie that came out over 10 years ago, I think now, called The Secret. And everyone was all uh, hyped up about it. And it was about the law of attraction. Whatever you think about, you're going to manifest in your life. And while there's some truth to this, people are completely misusing this this premise. And they're thinking like, look, I'm just going to think about money and I'm going to get money. And what ended up happening is all they got was they wanted they were thinking about wanting money and they got more desires to want more money but not any more money. And the aspect is unless we're willing to realize that, look, if God gave us something that we can't handle, it's actually to our detriment. And it's a blessing that God holds back, giving us more than we can handle, uh, because if he gave it to us, we would transgress. And an example of this is in chapter 43, verse 33. It says, if it were not that all the people might become one disbelieving congregation, we would have granted everyone who disbelieves in the most gracious mansions with silver roofs and stairs upon which they could climb. Their mansions would have impressive gates and luxurious furnishings, also many ornaments. All these are the temporary materials of this lowly life. The hereafter your Lord is far better for the righteous. Meaning that, look, God says if he was to give these people everything they wanted in this world, that we would all become one disbelieving uh, congregation. Because we wouldn't be able to handle the aspect that the disbeliever was getting these, you know, these uh, the wealth, the mansion, the, uh, the ornaments, all these luxuries, and, uh, you know, realizing that that's all they're going to get in this life and nothing in the hereafter. And it's a blessing from God because if he gave that to us, we would transgress. You know, if we got one more penny than we can handle, uh, we would potentially uh, transgress. We'd become unappreciative. Uh, We would become um, unaware of God uh, or straight up disbelieve. And there's this concept that the growth occurs in the states of discomfort that we have to go through that striving, that being steadfast, going through that hardship in order to grow so we can handle these provisions that God gives us, all of God's provisions. And some of the examples of this is in Moses with his teacher in chapter 18. So when Moses was imploring God, he wants to understand God's ways, God assigns a teacher to him. And the teacher's response to Moses was, how can you stand that which you do not comprehend or you do not understand? Um, and the reality is, is that, look, Moses was put in these uncomfortable situations, things that he felt were not right. And when he would object, this is where he would get caught out, uh, called out. And he realized that, look, it's these moments of discomfort where he's really learning. He's growing. Uh, one of the uh, classic movies I watched growing up was Karate Kid. And um, the, in the first one, that was the best, uh, daniel son, he wanted to learn karate from Mr. Miyagi. And uh, so he's uh, Mr. Miyagi says, "Okay, sure, come to my house." And he has him, you know, painting a fence up and down. He's very uh, meticulous that you have to paint the fence this way. And um, how to wax—I think was was it a car or like sand? I can't remember exactly. Uh, (laughs) And uh, you know, he wanted them to uh, wax on, wax off. You know, paint up, paint down. And uh, Daniel's doing this for days, and he's getting frustrated. He wants to learn karate. And uh, then uh, when he kind of loses his cool and he tells off uh, Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi shows him that, look, these moves that he's doing, he's actually strengthening his muscles for the karate moves in, uh, in real life. And, you know, most people, if you told them, look, you want to learn karate, you got to go paint a fence, you got to, you know, wax a car, you got to sand the floor, um, that they would say, this is nonsense, I just want to learn how to do karate. But you have to learn, you have to do the work, you have to grow the muscle, you have to uh, go through thousands and thousands of repetition in order to get to that state. And in order to be able to grow, in order to be able to handle, you know, the blessings, the provisions from God – Rather than asking for those provisions, we need to be able to show, we need to be able to ask God to allow us to be able to handle those provisions. So an example of this is in Solomon in chapter 38. So Solomon had these you know, uh, amazing horses, and uh, one day he was distracted by his horses rather than worshiping his Lord, so he missed his afternoon prayer. And um, in order to uh, stop Satan from making a claim against him that he loved his horses more than he loved God, he parted ways with his horses. And this just proved the fact that, look, in Solomon's heart, he cared more about God than he did about his uh, material possessions. And because of this, when he asked God for a kingship never attained by anyone else, um, uh, and God assigned jinns to work for uh, Solomon... Um, that he knew that this is something that Solomon could handle. God would not give him this wealth, these resources, this power, unless he believed that Solomon could handle these uh, kind of resources. And, um, you know, most of the time we just want the the, the resources, we want the provisions. And again, we don't want to do what's necessary in order to show that we can earn them, that we can handle them, uh, or, you know, to set up, uh, set ourselves up in a position where we can handle them. Uh, There's a quote from Voltaire. It says, history is filled with the sound of silken uh, slippers going downstairs and wooden shoes coming up. And I love this quote. And what it means is, uh, you know, most societies that uh, are able to move up uh, the economic ladder to able to move up into uh, uh, global power, they do this through hardship, through, uh, you know, uh, being steadfast, persevering. And, um, you know, most uh, societies that crumble, it's when they have everything handed to them. Everything is easy. And uh, you see this time and time again that, you know, the societies that are willing to, you know, pick themselves up by the the bootstrap, to work hard, to do what's necessary to to kind of pull ahead, those are the uh, the societies that that thrive. And the ones that become complacent and just feel entitled and think everything should be handed to them, those are the societies that are in a decline and eventually collapse. And... um, uh, there's uh, you know plenty of uh, historical examples. One of the ones uh, you know we talked about the uh, uh, the past was Cyrus the Great. So Cyrus the Great, he came from uh, Persia in a Persian, a part that was totally desolate of uh, desert. It was very tough living, and they wanted to move the empire uh, to a place uh, that was more um, uh, habitable, had rivers, had you know like uh, easier life. And Cyrus was against it because he said, look, if we go into these kind of uh, uh, areas, we're going to become soft. And it's something that takes real discipline to realize that, look, if we have it too easy, um, it's actually going to become a, a backlash for us. There's a quote I really like. It's a uh, easy choice, hard life, hard choice, easy life. And the takeaway I have from this is the fact that a lot of times the decisions that are the right ones to make are the hard decisions. But down the road, if you make those hard decisions up front, you're going to have a much easier life. Uh, corollary to that is if you make the easy choice up front, you're going to pay the price down the road. Uh, you think about people who drop out of school, who don't educate themselves, who don't work hard, who cut corners at work. Yeah, they might have it easy at that moment, but down the road, they're only setting themselves up for disaster. Um, in chapter 90, verse 10, it says, Did we not show him the two paths? He should choose the difficult path. Which one is the difficult path, the freeing of slaves, feeding during the time of hardship, orphans who are related, or the poor who is in need, and being one of those who believe, and exhorting one another to be steadfast, and exhorting one another to be kind? These have deserved happiness. So God is telling us, pick the difficult path. It appears difficult. In uh, chapter 60, it says anyone who picks the difficult path, God will make it easy for them. It's an illusion because realistically, yeah, it's hard at the moment, but God is going to make it easy. God is going to make it up to us. And the fact is when we build those, uh, those, uh, we become steadfast, we persevere. This allows us to maintain uh, what it is that God has given us. This allows us to grow from that having a strong foundation. And there is a story. There was a contractor who was uh, running law on funds, and he uh, was uh, short on work, and he needed money. And a, a wealthy investor came and said, look, I want you to build me the most beautiful house you can, and this is the budget I'm willing to put for that house. And the contractor goes and he starts sourcing materials and getting you know, excited about building this house. And he thinks to himself, he says, you know what? If I cut some corners, maybe I get the uh, – the, the, not the nicest wood but the wood with knots in it. And maybe I uh, skip a couple steps on the, the foundation of the house. I can save more money and pocket that money for myself. So on day comes, investor comes to see how the, uh, the the building is going, and you know the finished product. And the uh, contractor shows him what he's built, and the guy's t- blown away. He says it looks beautiful. And you know what? As a gesture, I want to give you this house. And um, this is the reality: is when we think we're cutting corners, that we're we got the upper hand. What we're really doing is setting ourselves up for disaster. And we have to be able to do the hard work up front, because at the end of the day, that's what's going to pay us dividends. And God tells us in the Quran in 4731 it says, We will certainly put you to the test. In order to distinguish those among you who strive and steadfastly persevere, we must expose your true qualities. What is it that's inside our heart? What is it that we really desire? You have to ask yourself is it the money you want, the luxury you want, or is it to please God? God tells us in the Quran, That the best garment, the best thing we can do is to strive for righteousness, for the hereafter. It says, O children of Adam, we have provided you with garments to cover your bodies as well as for luxury. But the best garment is the garment of righteousness. These are some of God's signs that they may take heed. O children of Adam, do not let the devil dupe you as he did when he caused the eviction of your parents from paradise and the removal of their garments to expose their bodies. He and his tribe see you while you do not see them. We appoint the devils as companions of those who do not believe. So God is telling us, He says, "Look, the best garment, the best provision we can get is righteousness, and this only comes from God." We uh, discussed in the previous podcast that God gives us these opportunities to earn righteousness, to take a loan of righteousness from God, to grow and develop our souls. This is a uh, a blessing and a a charity from God to us because God could feed everyone, God could solve all our problems, but He puts us in this world to uh, to do this uh, God's work in order to earn credit, to be able to uh, uh, prove. To ourselves to grow our souls, uh, why we deserve to be in God's kingdom. In seventeen eighteen through twenty-one it reads, Anyone who chooses this fleeting life as his priority, we will rush to him what we decide to give him. Then we commit him to Gehenna, where he suffers forever, despised and defeated. As for those who choose the hereafter as their priority and work righteousness while believing, their efforts will be appreciated. For each one of them we provide. We provide for those and these from your Lord's bounties. Your Lord's bounties are inexhaustible. Note how we preferred some people above others in this life. The differences in the hereafter are far greater and far more significant. And you think about this: you take the richest person in this, uh, the world, uh, be it Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, any of these you know tycoons, and you compare it against a homeless person, and you say the the degree of wealth between these two is enormous. God is saying on the hereafter, it's going to be even greater than that that the disparities between the person who's in the uh, the bottom pit of hell and the person who has the highest ranking, that the, the, the uh, level, degree of differences between these two people is going to be much greater than what we even see in this world. So it's something to take very seriously. And we have to ask ourselves, are we striving to get the uh, the credit in this world or for the hereafter in uh, 4220 it says whoever seeks the rewards of this uh, the hereafter we will multiply the rewards for him and whoever seeks the materials of this world we will give him therefrom and who receives no share in the hereafter 4134 anyone who seeks the materials of this world should know that God possesses both the materials of this world and the hereafter God is here seer so again back to the the the, the point at hand you know these things that we want. The first question is, what is it that we truly want? And the uh, the the answer to that is righteousness. Is to be uh, have God's approval, uh, to be in God's kingdom. This is the thing that we should aim for. Knowing that we have to know the work, the effort, the time it's going to take to be able to get there. You know, a lot of people think that they can just provide lip service, that this is enough to get them to God's kingdom. And we have to realize that what gets us in God's kingdom is the hard work, the steadfastness, the perseverance. You know, we can't cut corners on this aspect, looking for the short, uh, the quick gain to be able to earn, you know, quote unquote, righteousness without the work. And you think about this. This is a quality of the hypocrites. The hypocrites think that they don't have to follow God's laws, that as long as, you know, they're not uh, uh, eating pork, uh, that that's sufficient, You know, they don't have to do their contact prayers. They don't have to lead a righteous life. And this is the way that Satan is duping, you know, millions, if not billions of people. And we have to not fall in that same trap. And God warns us, do not fall in the same trap uh, that uh, caused our parents, Adam and Eve, to fall from paradise. So God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments, questions, hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. Or if you want to uh, uh, give us a review on iTunes, that would be highly appreciated so we can get the word out to more people. Until next time, peace and God bless.